0: Welcome to the Jewish Lives Podcast, a monthly show by Jewish Lives, the prize-winning biography series published by Yale University Press and the Leon D. Black Foundation. I'm your host, Alessandra Walner. In each episode, we explore the life and legacy of an influential Jewish figure. Today, we're looking at the celebrated movie director Steven Spielberg. In the second part of the show, I'll sit down with Molly Haskell, author of the Jewish Lives biography, Steven Spielberg, A Life in Films. If you like what you hear, rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a friendly review. Thank you in advance. You can learn more about our books at JewishLives.org. Join us as we explore the Jewish experience together. If there were an Academy Award category, Best Producer and or Director of Money-Making Movies, Steven Spielberg would win hands down. Steven Spielberg is unique in Hollywood. A rare filmmaker who's both commercially successful and critically acclaimed perhaps more so in both categories than any other director in the history of film. His influence is vast. And even if you haven't seen any of his films, you're probably so familiar with their scores or their most famous lines that you imagine you have.
1: Why did it have to be snakes? E.T. You're going to need a bigger boat.
0: Indiana Jones, E.T., and Jaws. These are just three Spielberg-directed blockbusters all of which have been recognized by the Library of Congress as culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant and inducted into the National Film Registry. So far, Spielberg has won two Oscars for Best Director, one for Best Picture, and scores of other awards, prizes, and lifetime achievements for his work. How does one person make such a huge impact on popular culture? To answer that question, we have to go back, not to the future, but to the beginning. Steven Spielberg was born in Cincinnati in 1946. When he was 11 years old, his family moved to Phoenix, Arizona. A year later, he made his first home movie. And by the age of 17, Spielberg had written, directed, and produced his first feature-length film. Spielberg was greatly inspired by the desert landscape where he was raised. In his films, storytelling on an epic scale unfolds before sweeping shots of grand vistas and below night skies thick with stars. every movie i've ever made has come from some place whether conscious or unconsciously emotional and 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 deep even the kind of confections you know come from pain this quote brings us to another influence on spielberg's work his parents divorce though spielberg's most famous films belong to the realm of horror adventure and action or chronicle events of major historical import and always feature cutting-edge movie technology, at the heart of these big stories is always the intimacy of a small family crisis, often seen through the eyes of a
1: child. I just want to say goodbye. There's no goodbye. Be
0: good. Yes. It's precisely this unexpected combination of large and small-scale drama that makes Spielberg's films so compelling and so often unforgettable. The film for which Spielberg has earned the most praise has this powerful combination. It also happens to be his most Jewish film, Schindler's List. Ten years in the making, this production won seven Academy Awards, including Best Film and Best Director. Making it was a life-changing experience for Spielberg. Before shooting began, he pledged to donate his share of the film's profits to Jewish philanthropic causes via the Righteous Persons Foundation, which he founded with his wife, The actress Kate Capshaw. But making this picture prompted Spielberg to do even more. Inspired by survivors' stories, he established the Survivors of the Shoah Visual History Foundation, now called the USC Shoah Foundation. Whether telling stories of devastating historical events or fantastical alien invasions, without fail, Spielberg gives us a window into his imagination and his hope for humanity. Discover a film-centric portrait of the extremely gifted movie director whose decades-long influence on American popular culture is unprecedented. In the Jewish Lives biography, Steven Spielberg, A Life in Films by Molly Haskell. Save 25% plus get free shipping. For a limited time only, use code SPIELBERG at checkout, only at jewishlives.org. Hi, Molly Haskell, and welcome to the Jewish Lives Podcast.
1: Hi, Ali. thank you so much for having me.
0: You are known as a feminist film critic, and I'm curious what it was like looking at Spielberg through that lens.
1: Well, interesting. First of all, I've, I've always made a point of always saying I'm a film critic first and a feminist second because my first obligation and love is film itself.
0: So were you using feminism as a lens when you wrote
1: this book? I, I used the lens of myself as a woman because I wouldn't expect, he's not interested in grown-ups at all. And so I think it's more through the lens of being a, a female adult, rather than actually expecting there to be a kind of feminist orientation. I don't, I mean, he, he's not particularly good, he's not particularly interested in older, in women, in men and women. He said that, I mean, he just is not good with, with love relationships. That's not his, his, his concern. So in that sense, there was something alien about him for me, but in another way I wanted, I thought it was a kind of challenge because he's not a natural for me. But for that very reason, I recognize that his importance and that he does excite so many people. And I thought that would be a challenge. I wanted to sort of see if I could get myself into his world and and talk about it. Mm -hmm. And also I felt that his world, it was so much, his biography is so much in his films. So that made it exciting. In fact, I, I could tell his story, his life through his films. That was a real challenge.
0: You include a fun fact at the beginning of the book. As of 2014, the two most thanked people by Oscar winners were God and Steven Spielberg, with Spielberg being thanked more. How do you explain that?
1: I really can in a way. It's just, it's just incredible. I think partly it's not just his films. He's a business in, in, in and of himself. He's a godfather in a way. I mean, he both as a, a role model and a mentor for all sorts of, as he's gone along, he's he's acquired all these proteges. He's produced a lot of films, a lot of films, and helped people in, in ways I'm sure I don't even know. So I think there's a, there's a real a devotion to him in, in Hollywood. And you include a quote from
0: his early career that he gave to a reporter and Spielberg said, I don't want to make films like Antonini or Fellini. I don't want just the elite. I want." everybody to enjoy my films so if not those art house directors who were his big influences
1: uh, well it's interesting to, on, on the on the point of not wanting to make art cinema when he made sugarland express which is quite a good film but uh, quite d- dark in its way that's the one with goldie Hawn, we we're method trying to recover their child it, it wasn't popular and he said I don't want to do that anymore I don't want to make art fi- I don't want to make films for a small audience I think David Lean was a huge uh, influence and and um, sort of icon for him and and in fact he I think Lawrence of Arabia was a huge influence in the way Lean painted shadows in the desert I mean Spielberg was always he was never going to be a realist he was always going to be trans I mean when he was just a kid and he got a movie camera for the first time. He didn't just take home movies the way most people would. He arranged everything. You know, he'd have the car in this weird angle and and Leah, the mother, had to hang over the hubcap or something, you know, just... So he was not interested in reality as such. He was always in transforming. In fact, that's partly what escapism is about. It's about not wanting to live in this white-on-white suburban world. So the 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 wonder is is the, that other world, whether it's the um, just the, the games of childhood or a mystical, you know, as in close encounters and mystical UFOs or presences, you know, otherworldly presences.
0: And speaking of his family, it was fractured. How about his relationship with his parents? How did it affect his films?
1: I think he ended up really appreciating his parents, but I think. I think in, in, the, in the very early days, I think there were good relations. I mean, he was tortured by, I think one of the things he was tortured by his Jewishness because they were Jewish and yet they weren't Jewish. You know, they would they would celebrate the holy days and yet he was surrounded by Catholics and pre- Christians celebrating Christmas. They made fun of him. So he really felt like an outsider. And then when the family, when all this f- f- friction was going on in the family, he, felt that wasn't a home either. So that sense of, his father was a sort of workaholic. He was in, new and in, uh, brilliant engineer in the film of computers. His mother was very unhappy and um, she was a, a not a disciplinarian at all. I mean, she would actually go with him on, uh, when they did have time together, go with him on, looking for places to, to make films and that kind of thing. So she was more of a playmate than a mother. And I think, you know, he needed a mother really in, in, in then. So it was a. I think it was a very lonely and unhappy childhood. And I think the, the miracle is that he was able to turn it into something that trans, not only transcended that, but that found a sanctuary in, in, the, in the world of the imagination or in the other world.
0: And because Judaism was painful for him as a child, he really ditched it for a while in his life, but returned to it after the birth of his first son, Max. However, the the real watershed moment was when he made Schindler's List and some people call this film Spielberg's Bar Mitzvah. Do you see it that way?
1: Yeah, I, I, um, yeah, it was with Schindler's List that he really came to terms with his, his Jewishness. And I think that had been coming on for some time. Uh, he was sort of old enough and confident enough to allow it to, and he had been on a, a, another movie and people had come up to him and said, you know, we're di- this generation of Jews is dying out, and we still have these memories of what happened in, in the concentration camp. So then he started the project of, 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 you know, recording these people, some of whom did not want to talk at all, but some did. So he, he got all these witnesses' testimony and he got, he immersed himself in it. It's really an astonishing film because it's it's really not like anything else. It's m- so much more somber. So, it's, it's bleaker than his other films. Of course, it's in black and white. It it tackles a big subject, but it still does so in a way that's Spielbergian, that brings you close to the people. It's never just a spectacle. It's never just people, um, small figures on a large landscape. And it's brilliant. And I think he manages the tone in ways that are almost just unbelievable, that, that they're so dexterous, I think.
0: And you write in the book that of all Spielberg's films, you think Empire of the Sun is his best. Was that a hard call for you?
1: I loved Empire of the Sun, I loved it when I saw it, and I've loved it every time I've seen it, and I know it's not, this is not, again, it's one of those ones that I don't think did make as much money as other films. It's very, it's a dark film, and it's about a, a child not at all like the children in the other film, a child who loses his innocence very early. He's in Shanghai, in British a settlement in Shanghai when the Japanese are attacking, and this kid, first of all, he loves planes and he just, is just, he won't bring it on. You know, he doesn't know what it is, of course, but he wants the, the airplanes and the spectacle, bring it on. And he loses, there's a moment when when everybody's fleeing and this huge crowd is pouring through the streets and he gets pulled away from his mother and his airplane, the toy airplane gets pulled away from him and he goes for the airplane rather than the mother, you know. And from then on, he's on his own, but there, there's hope for him. I mean, he he manages to find his own humanity sort of late in the film. And to me, it's just one of the most moving films ever. And I think it's it's a magnificent film. But I also think this was the prologue for Schindler's List, too. I think this sort of made Schindler's List possible.
0: And... I want to ask you about another project of his. In 2001, he started something kind of unusual. He took over Stanley Kubrick's film AI. And Kubrick is, of course, a fellow Jewish live subject. And these two directors have certain qualities in common, but they do diverge on others. So how did that collaboration turn out?
1: Well, nobody knows quite because Spielberg later said everybody thinks that the harsh parts are Kubrick and the, and the soft spots are mine and it's the other way around and I don't think he's completely wrong I, mean, I don't think he's lying in that I do think a lot of it was prior to his coming on uh, and it went through other sort of iterations even with Kubrick um, when he introduced the Pinocchio story that was the Kubrick's idea and also I think that the, the sort of Proustian elements but he also thought Spielberg should do it because he felt there's something so cold and, and so sort of anti-human and almost in, in Kubrick. I think he really doesn't have time for human beings at all. Um, and, Kubrick, and Spielberg doesn't have time for parents, but, the, but he hasn't given up on the human race yet. So you're in a
0: small group of Jewish lives biographies whose subject is still alive. So I want to ask you the same question that I asked Neil Gabler, who wrote about Barbara Streisand, which is, how do you conclude the life story of someone who's still living it?
1: Oh, interesting question. Yeah, definitely his life wasn't over. I tried to, to me, it was sort of the theme of ma- what is manhood. I think more and more his films d- do deal with, as so many of our stories do these days, well, the TV series of films, with manhood in this strange era of post-feminist, um, non-military. I mean, Stephen's father was in the war and he made living private run. He was fascinated by the war, but he never fought in a war. And there's a kind of sense of not, I mean, I think that lack, a lot of his generation feels that. And so I think his movies more and more um, do deal with that, or with, themes of manhood and uh, and what it is and so what I tried to do was sort of bring them all together at the end of the last few films there were there were common threads to them and so what I, I sort of brought them together I hope I think and in a way that would probably still seem relevant no matter what he did so for the final
0: question if you could talk to Steven Spielberg and I understand that you did try what would you ask him or say
1: well, a lot of things I would ask him, but I think one of the main things is, he was so oriented to success. He always wanted success. He, he he was he was unabashed about it. And every time a film didn't succeed in a, on a wide scale, he was disappointed and, and he would not want to do anything like that again. So I would ask him, like my two favorite films are AI and Empire of the Sun, which weren't huge successes. How did that affect him? Also, I'd like to ask him about the curse and the blessing of popularity and how how did he ever, did he ever feel it was a curse and how did he ever, would he ever have wanted to go back and do something small or did he feel compelled always to do something on a grand scale and sort of compete with his own best films?
0: Well, thank you so much, Molly Haskell, for sitting down to talk with us about your book, Steven Spielberg, A Life in Films.
1: Well, thank you, Allie. I enjoyed it a lot.
0: The Jewish Lives Podcast is made possible by the Leon D. Black Foundation, special thanks to our partners at Yale University Press, Jewish Lives Editorial Director Eileen Smith, Series Editors Anita Shapira and Steven J. Zipperstein, Managing Director Rebecca Keyes, and to Linda Brennan and Ruby Elliott Zuckerman. The Jewish Lives Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Alessandra Wallner. Our music is composed by Barry J. Cohen. As Groucho Marx once said, Outside of a dog, a book is man's best friend. Inside of a dog, it's too dark to read. Watch for forthcoming Jewish Lives titles, including Admiral Hyman Rickover and Elijah. Learn more about our books at jewishlives.org.